0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier.
1: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to The Fully Occupied Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Today's episode is with Chris Crisco. Chris is the CEO of Buildout. Buildout is a uh, technology company that enables commercial real estate brokers to pretty much do everything they need to do uh, to build their business, whether that's tracking deals, tracking commissions, creating property websites, marketing information for their listings, etc. They have a pretty cool story. It goes back about 13 years where Chris discovered uh, all the pains that uh, he was experiencing as a broker. Uh, and they've since, uh, gotten, uh, backed by some pretty big private equity money and are on the M and a path, uh, where they are growing their product offering through, uh, putting together a pretty strong list of companies, uh, that could bring more value to the commercial real estate space. Uh, Chris talks about the inception point of build out, how far they've come and some of the exciting stuff they're going to be doing in the future. Uh, be sure to listen in. It's a good one. Thanks. Chris, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks for
0: joining us. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's been a while, Um, but uh, excited to hear all the updates at Build Out and how you guys are continuing to uh, make a dent in the commercial real estate space. Um, Let's let's talk about that in a sec, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, uh, there's a lot to tell. I'll try to trim it down. Uh, (laughs) Chicago kid. Uh, I'll say, I'll start by saying husband of one and father of two. Um, I live in Jupiter, Florida, moved here during COVID, kind of on a whim. Um, But uh, Chicago kid, born and raised, Um, born and raised in a great family, commercial real estate family, Um, you know, had every opportunity to be good in school and sports and all that stuff. So always been pretty fortunate in that regard. Um, took a little break from Chicago and went to Arizona state for four years. That was, uh, as fun as it's made out to be. So, (laughs) so we had a good time there. Uh, came back in almost exactly four years. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be one of the kids that kind of stay out there for, uh, you know, Van Wilder style and, uh, and keep that thing running. But, um, you know, came back and immediately started working in my family business. My, my family's been in commercial real estate, uh, development and construction and property management for, you know, 50 ish years. Um, uh, mostly specializing in like neighborhood shopping centers, but some mixed use stuff, but primarily retail, um, you know, 2010 ish. I'm interested in multifamily. I believe it's the future. People are going to rent more, et cetera, but I don't know how to value it. So I'm talking to a lot of people in my network, get introduced to a group called Intero Realty. And, you know, I really became a a broker kind of overnight. And uh, that was a great group. I, I learned, you know, how to value multifamily real estate, I learned sort of the trick of that trade. I have to say I was pretty good at it right away. Everybody says that you don't make money your first year in brokerage. That certainly wasn't the case for me. I was taking That's people to Gibsons um, uh, on uh, Rush Street in Chicago to uh, to talk instead of, you know, just bringing nothing to the table. At least I was bringing a steak. Um, so I understood the value of relationships in this business and um, and that was great, uh, but you know, I was hungry and I was always kind of creating proposals and and trying to get in front of people and, and create these valuations. One of the problems we had in our brokerage was you ended up with this scenario that um, we were like a brokerage of like 15 to 20 at any given time, kind of boutique multifamily focused shop. We had one marketing gal to help us produce this material and what ended up happening inevitably is a line or a queue kind of builds up and you have two options. Either you wait or you end up having to, uh, you end up having to do it yourself. Right. And so I would a lot of times build my own opinions of value and they'd look terrible. I'd, I'd walk in, I could tell the guy I was meeting with somebody else. I'd see like a Marcus and Millichap novel on the table. And I'm like, how do you, you know, I look like an imbecile with this you know, pamphlet that I have. So I had a, a, a tough conversation with the managing broker. Awesome guy's name's uh David Goss. I said, this stuff stinks. You know, we got to we got to figure out a better way to do this. He said, you know, go figure it out. And it just by happenstance, uh, the founders of Build Out were in Chicago and they were just kind of scratching uh, product market fit. And I saw the product, and I'll never forget it to this day. I I saw them do something in, you know, five, seven minutes that had taken me seven, eight hours, like the day prior. So I understood viscerally the pain of doing this. And I knew two things. One, that in order for this to look that easy, that somebody brilliant made this thing because Like, I don't know, I didn't know anything about software development, but I knew that the easier it looks, the harder it probably is to build. And the other thing I knew was that everybody in the country would eventually use this software because it was just a paradigm shift that would have to go through an adoption curve like anything else. But it was so much better than the status quo that I was like, this is crazy. I want to invest. So I stopped even thinking about it for Intera for a very short period of time, and I was like... You guys take an investment. I don't really have that much money, but I'll give you all of it. I knew <laughs> nothing about investing by the way too um, but I did. I gave them almost all of all of the all money I had saved in my bank account and just kind of on a whim and while we started talking, we kind of figured out how to how to transition that into um, working together. I was employee number one, and then you know now nine ten years later i don't honestly don't know exactly what it's been but um you know running uh the company alongside one of the founders the original founders that guy who built the impressive technology uh he's my uh co-ceo right now and and we're running build out so uh that's my story and how i've got here
1: yeah that's Kind of similar path to me. Like I, I was, that I had that same um, visceral reaction when I saw VTS for the first time, which is why I left brokers to go work there. I was like, this makes so much sense. Like, this is like years better than the way I, I literally do this on a, on a day by day basis. And yeah, takes me forever. And like, this yeah. is, this is like, everyone's going to use this. And here, here I am 10 years later. And I was right. <laughs> I don't work there anymore. But, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, okay. Give us the mission of Build Out. What, like, what, what is the mission and and how has it changed over time?
0: So I guess like vision, mission, values, everybody kind of thinks about them a little bit differently in terms of how we think about it. You know, we talk about constantly sort of the mantra of Build Out or what we would call like the vision is, you know, we see the future of the industry as tech enabled, but human led and the brokers are very much at the center of the commercial real estate universe, in our opinion, and they're here to stay. So when we talk about the mission of the company, more something that's short-term, something tangible, something that we can go do, like call it like a tour of duty or something, our focus every day is really just helping commercial brokers transact more deals, faster and at top dollar. And the way that we really do that when we talk to the team you know, it's really like if you're not working on these things, if you're not helping a broker find, win, market, sell or lease, or leverage that success to then get another deal, if you're not helping them do one of those five things, raise your hand because we're not doing a good job as leaders setting you up to work on what's relevant for the industry. So it's all about that whole life cycle of a deal from, for the brokers and providing real value across each stage and uh, and being obsessed and, you know, with different teams and so forth, with solving that that challenge.
1: Yeah. Um, so specifically, walk me through what the platform does and sure. and, and how it enab- how it enables the broker to be a, a more effective weapon um, in transacting more.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, if you really think about the components, I I don't know how much, um, you know, y- you guys I I know we t- we talk quite a bit, but, um, you know, your, uh, your viewers, uh, and listeners. You know, we've been on the acquisition path. And the reason why we we really kind of went down the private equity route was because we knew that in order to fulfill the mission of the company, we were going to have to acquire some companies, that you can't just build everything. There's like an entrepreneur's problem. As much as you're creative and you can, you know, do some incredible things, especially when you have great software development, you have a tendency to want to do everything. And we didn't want to do that. When we laid out the life cycle of a commercial real estate listing um which is our primary focus but really deal you're talking about a research and prospecting phase sort of a winning you know pitching phase then you have like your sourcing you know you're trying in the tenant rep side you're sourcing you know you're doing surveys and tour books and taking your your client on tours in the uh on the listing side you're you know, you're, you're blasting that out, email blast, and getting people to, you know, view stuff at LoopNet or Crexie or what have you. And we're really trying to simplify that process. And then on the sort of back end of that, there's like your deal management, your pipeline management, your commission tracking, paying out the brokers, their different splits, letting them know when their new split is about to come come due. What we're really doing is we're saying, look, there are inefficiencies across all of these stages you know on the prospecting and research side it's a lot of you know having to go to five different systems having to track down somebody's phone number you know even trying to kind of take research data and then like copy and paste it into your you know where you do your your relationship management yeah yeah it's like so we have a really exciting tool coming this year where you know we acquired this company prospect now last year that has every property and owner ideally in the country already in it. That's just going to be table stakes for the CRM of the future. And it's going to be called prospect and nurture that's launching in Q2 this year. Um, in the middle, um, there, uh, we think of it as showcasing, showcasing your listing or your assignment, you know, showing your stuff the right way. Um, that's an area we'll build out just, you know, Not to not to sound cocky or anything like that, where we're dominant in the market, we have, you know, 30 anywhere from 30 to 35 percent of commercial brokers use build out to power their marketing collateral. So, you know, you drive around the country, every one out of every three of those signs is is a customer of ours. It's, It's pretty neat. And then on the back end, it's like, let's kind of pull pipeline out of like trying to make it like a broker specific thing. You know, it's like deal management is like a, a brokerage function and right. we want to see how, how brokers are performing and how that translates into commissions where we have a, a tool for doing that. So um, again, each of these things kind of have these different inefficiencies and we try to one thing that's I'll say different about build out is we we're not trying to like take this industry and like move them to some alternative future. We like meet the broker where they are. And we're like, brokerages are not successful deploying CRMs. They haven't been. There's like one instance of it in all of commercial real estate, um, in my experience. And so we just said, let's stop doing that. Let's create a CRM that brokers can opt into and plug into the rest of their ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about before we hit record was just like, how hard do you want to push against the current of an industry that's probably not going to just completely change the way they do things versus, you know, look at their workflows and say, like, how can we make this better? How do we make this easier on people? So, you know, 10 years from now, before, you know, even though they may not know it, they are tech enabled, right? Because no broker is going out there. Exactly. No broker is going out there being like, you know what? I'm going to make more money this year because I'm going to go buy all this technology. They're they're thinking exactly. to, they're thinking to themselves like, all right, I want to make more money this year. Like, how do I do that? And then like, technology is just one tool. I mean, you could you could do a bunch of different things. You just be like oh, I'm just going to make twice as many cold calls this year, and that's going to be how I do it. Like, and there's yep. a por- portion of the population just that just does that. Um, so I I love where you're going with it because I think like there's too much like bad press on at least in the brokerage community on like prop tech companies thinking that they're going to come like change the way you do your and, and just try to eat a piece of your pie it's like that's not what we're trying to do it's like we're trying to enable brokers to be more effective at what they they do for a living
0: i'm with you 100 percent. i also think a lot of prop tech companies make the mistake of thinking that this disintermediation of commercial brokers is like a walk in the park They get out there and boldly state that we don't need this anymore. And, you know, from our standpoint, it's like they don't take that much of the deal. Like they're not like they're not like stealing all this stuff off the top. And it's like they're, they're, they're this emotionally intelligent group. They're type A people that have been persuasive literally since they were five years old. They've been practicing that since they were kids and like if we could enable them with tech and and just kind of help them with knowledge enough to where they could take their own differentiators and things that they learn about the market and override what we're helping them sort of source then they take the relationship and they actually convince or influence that person to transact that's the part that i think everybody's missing is that these investors these buyers these you know these tenants these you know these people don't just um Th- they're not just like all right like i'm gonna go do this right now and then you know the whole deal just kind of gets done i just think it's uh it's an oversight by a lot of technology companies right now in the industry and it i you know frankly i think it's a mistake they're making trying talking about this intermediation
1: yeah i agree with you I, like what is your take on um kind of the current market environment because obviously there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I think different asset classes probably have different problems or dealing with um, brokers who mm-hmm. adopt or sorry, adapt to the market. Like that's obviously true in, in, in whether you're in good times or, or bad. But do you think that there's some sort of um, shift happening given like, you know, COVID crushing retail and, and that mm-hmm. recovery? Office getting crushed by no one going to the office anymore. Like, does the broker's job become more or less important? And then, like, how how does technology enable them to kind of navigate those waters?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, like, we have a lot of leading indicators, uh, especially in the middle market, right? We have all property types national reach, you know, 30% of these folks. So we can see right now what's happening in the market. And there's definitely a slowdown. And it's not j- specific to one asset class. I think what you're hearing a lot with like the, uh, you know, office problem is more institutional than it is, you know, at the sort of secondary and tertiary market, just, just for one, right? Because people are, people are still leasing office space in suburbs. You know, for instance, and so that is a problem for like the industry at large, not one that's directly hitting as many of our customers, if I'm being frank. Um, But I think it's just, you know, tough times have a way of just people reinventing themselves. We're going to see people go out of business. We're going to see people that don't have listings. We're seeing it. We've had a few people just reach out and say, I'm not even going to be a broker anymore. And like that happens in tough times. You know, it's not a frothy market. But the best brokerages this time and a lot of the people that are looking at tech right now that we're talking to, and there are a lot are sitting there going, all right, well, this is actually the opportunity because we could put a new system in place. So that when we get on the other side of this, we're built for scale. And um, and that's what I think you're going to see is like you're going to see some really impressive companies born out of hard times like you do in, in any hard time.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um... So what's what's the future hold for uh for build out you mentioned you're, you've, you've embarked down this you know acquisition path you, you kind of laid out the the product vision there
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it keeps rolling if the snowball keeps going downhill what does it look like
0: yeah um you know i haven't answered this question directly i mean for us we're we try really hard not to try to you know look ten years into the future. Um, we're super responsive as to the you know the needs of the market right now, and we try to just kind of you know meet the broker where they are. But I will say that you know we do have a goal in the company that when you pass a build out booth five years from now, everybody universally says that's build out. That's the company every commercial real estate broker uses to transact deals. A lot has to happen to make that true, especially when you start to think about like different customer cohorts from like your small to medium to enterprise type customers. The services a CBRE needs or a new mark or a JLL, et cetera, are going to be much different than your mom and pop that just kind of needs a faster, smoother way of doing things. Um, more integrations, stuff like that, more sort of bespoke implementation. So. Um, You know it's it's complex but i will say that you know kind of being out in front uh having bootstrapped the company for as long as we did we really learned how to be profitable and we learned how to perform um in like a fundamental way as a company so like the this day and age where it's like oh now profitability is coming back into style we're like oh yeah we know how to do that (laughs) um so we're just like that's not a problem for us so We're there, you know, we have this billion dollar fund back in us. You know, we have opportunities to acquire more companies, it seems every few weeks now. So we're looking at everything. But I will tell you, if you imagine the whole life cycle of a deal through the lens of the broker, there's a gap um, that you guys certainly may feel may fill at some point on the the tenant rep side. Um, That's interesting to us that that's absolutely a gap in the build out software, just as an example.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could you could map out the entire flow of dollars through a transaction and it doesn't end when the lease gets signed or the building gets sold like it it it's a continuous cycle and you know is there ever going to be a silver bullet of something that just does it for everybody probably not because like we already established the industry isn't going to just completely say you know what we're a tech industry everything's Done in this one place. That's why there's prop tech exists because there's so many problems to be solved. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm 100% on the same page as you. And there's so many different facets of asset classes or workflows or personas or user types that all have different problems that they need to solve, but it, it does all eventually kind of touch back at the beginning in a, a circular way. Um, that's exciting, man. um Completely agree. It sounds like there's some awesome stuff in the future for you. It sounds like you guys are refresh and fired up for 2023. Let's let's uh let's see where let's see where the chips fall. It's awesome. Um
0: Very cool. Yeah. Let's uh let's
1: let's let's wrap up with our rapid fire questions. Um Sure. We're going to give you a minute to answer each one and I'm going to go through five of them. Um get to cool. know you better. Um question 1. Uh, in Jupiter, Florida, how do you start your mornings?
0: So cool question. Uh, in a minute I'm just going to tell you I moved out to Jupiter Farms. I live on a farm. There's like a pond behind me. It's quiet. I don't know if you heard the birds in the background. I hear goats in the morning. All sorts of all sorts of crazy stuff. I never lived like this, but I moved out here a lot because of the morning. Um, you know, Sundays I kind of write down all my goals and things like that just to get aligned on what I'm trying to accomplish for the week and kind of break it down into different roles that I have from being like a, a good husband to father, leader, etc. cetera. Um, but during the week, typically I'm up at 545. I used to get up at 445 in Chicago, but you get an hour when you move east. You get an hour back. So um get up at 545. I'll usually do like a sauna um, and like kind of breathing just to kind of set myself get a workout in three, four days a week. Uh, And then I sit down and I just kind of look at those goals that I wrote down and kind of tweak the knobs a little bit, talk about what, what I like have to do today versus what I would like to do today. And then I just kind of let that day pan out. Cause you know, as a, as a fellow leader uh, you have a plan and you get punched in the mouth almost every single day in business. So it's something comes up where I got to kind of move the whole day around, but uh having that sense of direction is is really important and i need my mornings i need my mornings out here on the farm and in the dark to just kind of collect my thoughts
1: yep i'm the same way get up early before the sun comes up that's when that's when your competition is sleeping right uh that's right um what's your what's your favorite favorite place to travel not the farm so
0: so i also i i honestly always loved going to florida when we were in chicago but um now that we live here you know, Europe is is uh, I, I love just kind of like the different culture experiences that you have in Europe. Just how it, it it helps you realize like how young America is, and how much you know has happened like before this country was even a thing. I always appreciate that. And um, you know, my cousin who I'm really close with, she's uh, you know close to a sister. And she married a Greek guy, good dude, good family. And I'll tell you, going to Greece with Greeks is uh, is a special experience because it's a beautiful country as is. But if you could get around, which is yeah. difficult, if you don't speak Greek, <laughs> um, it's, really a, it's really a cool experience. So that's been a, a favorite as of late. That's on
1: my bucket list. Question three, um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
0: And you know, one is tough. I'm going to go. I, I got to do two. Uh, I want to teleport because I want to see more people in places. Um, just imagine if we could just kind of pop into your office right now and do a quick meeting. That would be that'd be pretty cool. Um, but, you know, this may sound corny, but I'm somebody who's always thinking in the future. And it's just the way that I'm wired. And I I see people who are present. As like I see that as a superpower, the way that you could communicate the way that you could experience this like journey that we're on in life. I'm jealous. Um, I want that. Like, I wish I could be more present. And as much as I try with meditation and journaling and things like that, I'm still wired to always be thinking, you know, the next three steps. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's one thing that at least in certain parts of my life, I'd like to be able to flip on and be like, I'm just, here right now and that's all i am stoicism um
1: (laughs) the uh fourth question might be uh might be uh might be somewhat related but what what advice would you give to your younger self
0: uh i would say um i would i would just tell myself two things one would just be write down your goals And, and most importantly, why there's, you know, I started writing down my goals when I was like in my twenties, it's amazing. They don't teach us this when we're kids, because when I started doing that, like in my mid twenties, it was like, um, it was indistinguishable from magic. Like I would write down these goals and then I'd look at them at the end of the year. And I'm like, I did all of them. And it happens like every year. So it's like, maybe I need to start writing down harder goals, but that's one thing that I wish I would have started doing earlier. I don't, I don't know if I'd be in a better place or what, but uh, that's one thing. And the other thing that I would say is um, just realize that you're not the center of the universe. I think, uh, you know, I'm the center of my universe, but everybody is, you know, the center of theirs. And I think just, uh, you know, especially having gotten into more of these leadership roles later in life and realizing, you know, how different I am and have been, you know, my whole life from other people and their, you know, how they see the world and where they're coming from would just be, would be, would have been excellent to just kind of be that way with people for a much longer period of time.
1: Yep. I feel you on that. Um, well, Chris has been awesome having you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, final yeah, question, what, uh, if, if you could invite one or two people on the show, who, who would you recommend for us?
0: So I was just talking to Mike Hart uh, hey. at Avison and Young, and he said um, I told him we were jumping on this podcast, and and uh, I told him I was gonna I was gonna recommend him, and he was like, "Oh, nice! You get the two handsome bald guys, you know, doing a podcast together." So uh, I think Mike would be a cool guest. Uh, he we, he and I just did a fireside chat at our um, at our uh, you know company on site, and it was a hit. He's just kind of right to the point. You know, funny, witty, intelligent, et cetera. And then, you know, I don't know how often you put two people from the same company on, but um, I have two sort of just remarkable people in these contexts, more entertaining than I am. Certainly my partner, Jason, that built a lot of the tech that we did is not just like the most creative and inventive person that I've ever been around. He's actually the funniest person I've ever met, hands down um like they should have switched the most interesting man in the world to him like after that guy was gone he's absolutely hysterical and like you never know what's coming and then um our head of growth Helen Calvin is just brilliant she's uh she's I've never seen anything like the way she works I'm sure they're out there but uh you know I, I I saw her on stage last week at our event and I text my mom wow she's better than I thought she's the next Sheryl Sandberg so um Just incredibly talented people and I just feel fortunate to work with them. I think they would, you know, maybe not back to back here with build out, build out, but at some point down the road I think they'd be a cool guest.
1: Cool. Yeah, we'd love to double them up. That'd be awesome. Um Chris, thanks a lot for the show, man. We appreciate it and good luck. Best of luck with you with everything for you.
0: Thanks so much for having me, man. Catch up with you soon.